Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome to America's Heroes Group, a roundtable community outreach with LULAC, League of United Latin American Citizens. Today is Saturday, August 26th, 2023. August is National Wellness Month. This is Kip Hilly. I'm Sean Cleaver, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And, of course, we are back on YouTube and also Facebook if you want to see us. But, of course, we can also see us in our archives on americashg.org and on YouTube, our YouTube channel. And we have our guest today, you've heard her before, Denitza D. James. She's a U.S. Iraq combat veteran and LULAC National Military and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee Chair and CEO of Repatriate Our Patriots. And we're going to talk about the Veteran Service Recognition Act, H.R. 4569, and what that means and what it's all about. How are you doing today, D? Hi, Sean. How are you? Pretty good. Honored to be here again. It's an honor to have you on our show. So tell us about uh, what's going on with this this act. From, from what I understand, it's going to make things easier, uh, should it be approved, to go and, and have people that have been deported to A, get back into the United States, but also to keep veterans or service members from being deported in the first place. Now tell us about this. Yes. So the three things that this bill will do is it will direct the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Defense to facilitate opportunities for military recruits and veterans to apply for citizenship during their basic training, which is something that is going on right now. The Air Force did graduate the first class uh, a couple months ago, and I know that uh, the Navy is following suit. Uh, but another important thing that it's going to do is that uh, it's going to require the Department of Homeland Security to establish a system to identify non-citizens who have been um, deported in anyone who is at risk of deportation so they can consider their military service before deportation. Mm. That's a very important thing because right now um, they have not been able to give us any data on how many veterans have been deported to where they have been deported to and how long ago. And this goes for veterans and service members of service members and their family members as well. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So tell me, so what would be the process um, and also kind of walk us back a little bit through um, why a lot of people had the idea that when you serve the military that you would get citizenship or it's, that the military was by itself a path to citizenship. Was that correct or not correct? We hear stories that people have gotten citizenship from being in the military, but now we're hearing about people being deported. Yes, yes, Sean. And it's misinformation. Um, they're all about administrative hurdles, um, right, that go on within the military and within the recruiting station. I myself was one who was promised a citizen when I enlisted. They said, come join the Army, you will get college tuition, um, financial status, and then you will get your citizenship. I never obtained my citizenship, and I wasn't able to go to college until I left the military, and that was because of deployments. And also, many veterans, they never applied to naturalize because they were told that it was automatic. Mm when they join and some of the other ones they apply for naturalization but the government lost or failed uh, to file their applications and there is no specific program or process within the military 
to ensure that service members, when they join, that they complete their citizenship or naturalization process before they leave or in their first contract. Now, do you believe that H.R. 4569, the Veteran Service Recognition Act, is enough? Does it do enough things to help veterans or help people stay in the country? It will create an accountability system. That's what it will do. It will require DHS to take a look and see if they're veterans to make sure that they take their service into accountability and provide other resources before deporting them. And and within the military, it's going to attract those who are not citizens and it's going to create a path that so that they can complete in their provider their resources to file for naturalization. Do you know that veterans have to file the same amount of forms that any other immigrant has to file to complete their naturalization? That is an immense amount of forms of information, of data that honestly, as a 19 or 20 year old who just joined, I have we had no clue how to even begin that process, less alone. Hey, let me ask my my sergeant to let me go to a legal office to apply for this. No, like mission comes first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can imagine like being being in the military as a youngster, and then all of a sudden having all the deal to deal with all the different trials and tribulations of basic training, and then AIT, and then going to your first duty station, and then all of a sudden getting deployed, and you're trying to then fill out a myriad of papers to go get naturalized. Correct. Yes, and uh, to the military, we're not uh, we're not a mission deterrent, right? With us not being U.S. citizens, it doesn't matter to them. The mission continues on. Uh, we they continue to deploy us. We have a military ID card, and that is basically our passport everywhere we go. I know that it was for me when I was uh, in. I had no idea where my green card was until I left the military, and I found out that it was expired. Oh wow! And then, how, do you have an idea about how many people? are deported right now that are over, overseas or across the border who have served in the military? Right now, within uh, within our database and those who have found out about us uh, in other organizations by word of mouth, we have close to 400 wow. veterans who are either in the process of uh, waiting their, um, their legal status or they're currently deported to other countries. Uh, but those are just the numbers that we know. People that have heard through word of mouth, either social media or even programs like like this one, right? Right here. This is what we're doing. We're sharing information, letting anyone who's hearing this, if you have a family member or if you yourself served in the military and currently do not have legal status, we're fighting for you. Mm. And oftentimes I've heard stories about people that have been deported and they're deported to a country where they don't even speak the language. Yes. Wow, and then they um, some a lot of those veterans they came to the United States when they were two years old, four years old, um, and they never even knew that country. All they know is the United States as being their home. Hmm. And then once they're over there, they don't have access to their their military or VA benefits. They can't access the VA health care. They can't access student loans or anything that was promised to them in contract for their benef- benefits. Correct. And the VA, I will say they they have um, uh, they have allowed a lot of um, access to some veterans to file the claim, right, to file for pension for some of the uh, Vietnam veterans um, and to receive at least some stipend while they're still deported. But they continue to receive no health care. We have had veterans who are 100 percent permanent total disabled in Mexico 
mm. and they cannot access health care. Wow. So what do they do? So they have, um, due to several organizations' resources, they've been able to to set up a bank account to where their VA disability payment goes to the bank account in the other country where they're living. And they have to use local medical health care, right, but paying out of pocket. So basically using their disability um, stipend to pay for their health care. Hmm. And then so do you think this, it's hopeful that this bill will pass? We're hoping, but we really, um, you, as you know, the military, we're only 1%. We don't pass laws on our own. We don't pass bills. We don't pass legislation. We need the entire community's help uh, in making sure that this bill passes. And how do we do that? Uh, actually, right now we have we're looking at uh, Representative Mike Wolf from Illinois. Uh, he's in District 12, and he is one of our key players that we will like his support and we really need his support uh, to co-sponsor this bill so that it can continue to be a bipartisan bill. And we need the public's help in calling and making sure that representatives know that this is a problem, know that veterans are being deported after serving this country. They're being discarded as if they were just damaged goods. And in fact, yes, they are damaged, but they've earned the care to be here in the United States and to make sure that they have the resources that they need. Do you feel that sometimes this this uh, this discussion gets lost in all the controversy with the border right now? Because right now, one of the voting issues in the upcoming elections for the presidential election and even in the local and uh, congressional elections across the country, people are bringing up immigration. They're bringing up um, securing the border oftentimes. Um, what, how do you feel this conversation gets that's enough attention in this whole mix of that argument about the border and, and, and immigration? Yes, Sean, it gets lost because we look at this issue as being an immigration issue, and it's not. This is a military service issue. This is not a red or a blue issue. This is a red, white, and blue issue Mm. that we all need to take a look at. Service members, they fought for this country. They raised their right hand and swore to protect and defend this this constitution. And they did so without being U.S. citizens. The feeling that I had personally when I was in Iraq, um, it was I didn't ask anybody else for their citizenship. Hey, you're wearing the same uniform. You're wearing the same flag on my arm, on my shoulder that I am. I'm going to have your back, and I'm going to make sure that we both come back alive, right? For some reason, something changes, and we forget that we had each other's back when we were in combat. Why can't we have, continue to have each other's back once we get home? Do you think it's hard for people that are American citizens that have a have a legacy of, of being in the United States? Do you think they understand your struggle and what you're going through? I think they understand it, but I don't think they know it. I don't think there there's enough awareness on what's going on. I have asked fellow service members, right, and fellow leaders, uh, captains, officers, enlisted, um, what do they think about veterans being deported? And they're like, wait. Well, they're not being deported. Veterans, they get their citizenship when they come in. And I said, no, Captain, they don't. Right? So it's a mm. lot of misinformation wow. um, that, honestly, I think the public and fellow service members, the majority, they just don't know what's going on. And do you think the recruiters that, that made these promises that you would get citizenship, you think they knew that the, they were not telling the truth or think they were just unaware of, as well? I honestly think that um, they weren't, it's not that they were not telling the truth. 
is that, yes, you are able to file for citizenship, but it, it's no longer their problem once you chipped out. Once you chip out to your duty station, you no longer are part of their problem, right? Their job is to get you in, put in the number that they needed for that specific job, and they wash their hands. The problem is once they get to basic training and they get to their first duty station, somebody needs to pick up that responsibility right to make sure they continue and they that they actually follow through on that promise that that recruiter made to that service member at whenever they enlisted and also too to bring that point again is that that you mentioned earlier is that you know you're 18 19 20 years old oftentimes when you join the military i joined that when i was when i was 19 so you're not thinking about the process that all the paperwork that's you're probably running to this for the first time and having to fill out these types of forms and things about your life that's going to continue for the rest of your life, you know, benefits and, and educational benefits and student loans and GI Bill and then all the things that have to go along with. Now you have to deal with uh, trying to be, become a U.S. citizen. I mean, that's a lot of paperwork. And how long does it normally take once you start that paperwork? What's the timeline typically to become a U.S. citizen? So uh, within the military, they do expedite the process, so it could take uh, anywhere between a year and two years, uh, but that is a year that you have to constantly follow up, make sure that the forms are filled out correctly, um, and make sure that you have the time. Like, for example, in my case, right, I had no idea of any paper that needed to be filled out. I thought that my recruiter said, hey, yes, when you get there. They'll, they'll ask you to fill out this paperwork. So I was sitting there waiting for somebody to ask me what paperwork I'm going to have to fill out, right? In the meantime, I am, I, English is my second language, and I wasn't that fluent when I got to my first duty station, which was in Germany. So I no longer was away from home. I was in another country that I had just learned English, right? So now I'm trying to navigate being an E3 at a, a duty station where I'm not close to anyone at home that can tell me, hey, uh, did you fill out this paperwork? Go to this office off base, right? They help with naturalization. We don't have any of that in Germany. You either have your legal office that is part of your base and that is it. And the odd thing is that what I've read is that the United States is probably the most difficult country in the world to actually immigrate into. You probably would have had an easier time getting into Germany, becoming a German citizen as a, as a military veteran, yeah, and being a, I probably a would have. I spent ten years ten years in Germany throughout my entire enlistment. I think I probably would have become a German citizen before a United States citizen. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy, though. So yeah. So so, what do you think? Do you to so go back to that question again? Do you think this bill does enough? Because when I think about the process and what it says, applying um, for citizenship during basic training, but then you mentioned all these follow-ups you got to do, and when you're in the military, particularly your first couple of years, you're busy. So and you have a lot of stuff on your plate, and then you're, if you get deployed or if you're overseas, it may not be that easy to go back and forth and submit documents and mail documents or email documents and things like that. And I'm, assume, I'm assuming they want West signatures on a lot of this paperwork. This means you got to mail. Yeah, yeah, and yes, and you have you have to process it and mail it. So the key in this bill is to make sure that it actually that it not only that it gets passed right, but that the people who are part of this process uh, obtain the training, that commanders and leaders and units take the responsibility to recognize that they have non-citizen service members in their unit, right and. Um, and just so that they know, hey, this is what could happen if they do not obtain this. And by the way, 
it's going to reflect on your evaluation if they don't. Mm -hmm. That's where you get them. In my opinion, if you make this a commander's program, the commander will make sure it will go through hell and water to make sure this service member becomes a U.S. citizen. Why? Because it's in his evaluation. And if, if the evaluation, they all care about it, right, because that's how you get promoted. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, too, just even from a national security standpoint, you, I would, it would seem I always thought it was weird. I joined the military. And I was in AIT. I met some people for the first time that didn't speak English and they were and they were soldiers. They had already gone through basic training and they were teaching me how to curse in different languages. So the, <laughs> the thing about that was I thought, wow, these guys, I mean, I'm having to, we're trying to help, you know, help them understand like what the drill sergeant's telling us and what their what our commanders are telling us and things like that, because they're getting it but not getting it all the way. But I'm like, wow, people come mm-hmm. from other countries and other parts of the world that are serving in our military to go to war for us if we have to go to war and to fight with us as, you know, as soldiers. So you you would think that they'd, yeah. they'd want to give them some incentive to, you know, stay on the right team. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, why would you want to fight for somebody and then get kicked back to your old country? I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that come from even, like, there is a bet David, for example, he's a, he has a podcast and he's, um, you know, millions of followers, subscribers. And he's from Iran, served in the U.S. military. You know, I'm not sure if he's a U.S. citizen or if he's got a green card today. I'm, assume, I'm assuming he's a U.S. citizen today. But this guy is multi-millionaire, if not billionaire, but he's only multi-millionaire. And this, this guy has been on Joe Rogan, has been all, all over the world. He's, he's got, you know, a lot of uh, followers on YouTube, very influential and very and very um, contributed a lot to U.S. society as a civilian, as a veteran. However, he's from Iran. Do you want him going back to Iran if he didn't get his citizenship? <laughs> I don't think so. And you know, you know what? Uh, we have like there are several. Um, for example, the cartels in Mexico. Mm-hmm. They um, they recruit or they try to recruit service members who have been deported to to train and fight with their cartels, right? Wow. And uh, we actually have a couple of our veterans who have been kidnapped and forced to do that, but they were able to escape. And mm. they don't want they don't want anything to do with that country, right? They were never there. They don't know it. And their home, they believe, and they still want to protect and defend is the United States. But the, you are sending a fully trained individual into another country who are we are fighting against mm-hmm. for example in the war on drugs right so now you're just giving them free ammunition free talent to go and train their cartel members wow and that's sad because the temptation has to be really great but i've heard stories about that but all the all the veterans that i've seen you know once again are very did not want to do anything have anything to do with the cartel so they tried hell and high water to get away from those those types of temptations not those just the temptations but the kidnappings and the and the and the uh, the forced uh, service into the cartels cuz yeah they're looking for talent looking for knowledge and they'll you know they have no problem they can, they can get across the border and and terrorize and hurt your family easier than you can you know, either you can go home and yeah. see your own your own kids. You know, they can they have, act, they have greater access to your kids than you do, and you're and you fought for the country. Yeah. You should be a citizen. Yeah. Yes, and that's you know that's what they that's what they're risking. That's what they're threatened with is to get to their families, right? To hurt their families if they don't work for them. Um, so these veterans that we have had in our cases is that they've had to um, run away and hide and change locations, and we have helped. One of them relocated to another state to take him out of that um, that environment that he was in, where he was actually being sought out after wow. to train their cartel members. 
And the crazy thing here is that, you know, 20% of all individuals who have received a Congressional Medal of Honor are non-citizens. Wow. I didn't know 20%. That. Wow. 20%. And That's so non-citizens, yeah, non-citizens have been serving since the American Revolution and on every major war. And 20% of all of our Congressional Medal of Honor recipients are non-citizens. Wow. I don't think anybody asked them for their citizenship when they placed a medal around their neck. Mm-hmm. You know, think of anything else would be a way to try to vet if somebody is loyal to the country. It would be through military service. Because in, in military service, you're going to see everything. When, you, when you're in the microscope of the military and your superior officers, your, your, your uh, squad members, your platoon members, all those guys are going to see who you really, really are, you know, as the years go by. And if, if anything's going to detest your loyalty to a, to, a, to a country, to put your life on the line and actually fight for yeah. the country. So you got, like you said, combat veterans that are deported, special forces guys yeah. that are deported. You know? Yes, we have Bronze Star Medal recipients that are deported. That's crazy. Is it a DJ? Yeah, and it's just, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's, it's, it's all bureaucratic. Um, it's all bureaucratic politics uh, that are get, they get in between America taking care of their veterans. And we need to just put that aside and fulfill our promise to make sure that they receive their naturalization as we promised when they enlisted and sought to protect and defend this nation. Thanks for your time. I appreciate your note, your words, and also the things you told us today. And then we got to have you back to continue this conversation. Thank you, Sean. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.